Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 78, Q&D. 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 Not D&D. We are not playing Dungeons and Dragons. It's not Q&A. Not Q&A because we're doing question and discussion. This is our first ever question and discussion Hole in My Heart podcast because we're taking questions from y'all and questions that are just in my own brain that I would like to talk about with Matt and Steve because I don't talk to them any other time except for this time. No. It's true. (laughs) And so we're going to toss it around. But who am I? Who is this voice coming at you? My name is Lori Krieg and we are in Grand Rapids, Michigan and I am the executive director of Hole in My Heart Ministries and sitting next to me is Matthew Krieg. He is a licensed therapist and Argyle expert and my husband. Welcome, Matt. Thank you. It's good to be here. Glad. I feel like I have to take the role of the guest. I know. Where are you calling in from today? (laughs) (laughs) From right next to you. (laughs) Oh my word. We're off to a great start. We're going around the room and we've got, who do we got? We got the most professional radio voice among us and our producer, producer Steve. Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen. Is that hello or goodbye? Guten Tag. I don't know. Auf Wiedersehen is goodbye. Gutenberg. What? Not Gutenberg. Not Steve Gutenberg. (laughs) Wait, isn't that like an airplane? Gutenberg? No. Isn't that the City. printing press? Yes, there it is. Okay. Printing press. Not the Guggenheim. <laughs> What's the big blimp? The Hindenburg. Hindenburg. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, for those of you who are still listening, bless you. Sorry to our entire German hearts. audience. This, it's been about a year since it's just been us in the room without the accountability partner of our guest. <laughs> they didn't realize they were just holding us accountable. Now you know, guess. Um, but we are so excited to toss around some of these questions with you guys. And some of the questions that we are going to be talking about are some that you guys sent in. And one of them was, hey, guys, your title of the week last week was On Purpose. But you pretty much just talked about marriage and idolatry of marriage, and that's great. However, can we talk a little bit more about that need for purpose? So, yes, we're going to break some of that down. We're going to talk about, uh, answer some questions from parents of LGBT kids. We're going to talk about what we're looking forward to. We're going to discuss some of the angst that we have with the church right now and some of the joy that we have with church. So if you want to take part in that and and get to know Matt and Steve and I a little bit better, we're excited to have you. And I think we're going to do this again. You guys let us know if you like the Q&D and we'll, we'll do it again and we'll take your questions and dive deep into them. Speaking of questions, let's go into the question of the week from last week, which when we talked to Cutter Calloway, we asked about puzzles. And I said, do you like puzzles? Does your wife like puzzles? And they both do. And they do this hilarious it's kind of ridiculous Puzzle competition. Race. Yeah. And uh, so my working theory is that we are attracted to our opposite in friendship and in spouseship. And so do you guys like puzzles and does your spouse? And what did you hear from the listeners? Matt, what's your deal? We talked a little bit about it last week. Yeah, I think everyone's well aware of the fact that I'm a puzzler. Yeah. Um, but I really resonated with Deb from from Facebook, her response was, well, my mom loved jigsaw puzzles, but my dad was more of a MacGyver-style puzzle solver. What's that mean, do you think? I will, I'll get into that in a second. Okay. <laughs> I want to finish her quote. I would easily become addicted to Tetris if I had it accessible, but Bill, who I believe is her husband, is another one of those mechanical, let's fix it creatively guys. And that is the answer for a MacGyver puzzle solver. Mm. Like, kind of having to get out of a situation or fix something. Like, I, I love MacGyver. Yeah, you also, do. It's his mullet like, that you love. Well, it's not just the mullet. It's everything about the man. I mean, he is <laughs> he is just... I, I'm doing like the, hmm, 
Yes. I don't even I don't even know how to describe this hand motion that I'm doing. Like the okay, like like, primo gesture. Yeah, the primo gesture, like very good. You know, but just the 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 creativity, the problem solving, the fact that he likes hockey and has the mullet and the the leather jacket, all that kind of stuff. It's just I I aspire to be MacGyver. Um and, and I am also a MacGyver style puzzle solver. I'm an every style puzzle solver, honestly. Like you've already told everyone about how I nerd out to puzzle books like before going to bed. So he's a hundred. It's fine. I married a hundred year old man and that's how he goes to sleep is doing Sudoku like hundred year olds should to keep their brains young. Exactly. All right. Steve. You have a sharp brain even when he is a hundred. Yes. Uh, yeah. So for me, I think what I, what I said last week is that uh, my wife and I aren't really on the same page, but I think it's because I am whatever is the opposite of ADD. Like maybe I can obsess, like I can hyper focus oh, yeah. or, you know, like um, I don't get distracted once I get into something and that's not a good thing. Um, especially if like the house is on fire or, you know, something <laughs> like that. Uh, so like I typically don't start. Like every time the house is on fire, like I just totally ignore <laughs> I stop it. Stop and do a busy. puzzle. Like, well, other things. It's a good grief. Exactly I can't tell how you how many houses we've gone through. <laughs> <laughs> people actually <laughs> light them on fire on purpose to get my attention doesn't work uh no so i don't start much because i'm just like uh, it's gonna just consume my life yep uh, my wife i think she'd get into doing puzzles just as something else to do yep not uh, as an alternative right 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 uh, so we don't do puzzles together and I'm not quite sure if that's her fault or my fault. Cause she is more like ADD. She would get distracted by other things. She would probably have just like five unfinished puzzles oh, yeah. going at once. If there's a fire, she's the one who's going to notice it. That's for sure. She will smell the smoke <laughs> and be on it. The blessings I liked of what, that ADD. Yes. Uh, so what Megan said uh, in response to the question, I love doing puzzles and get a bit glued to one if it's in progress. Kyle has no interest in them. I'm assuming that's Megan's significant other. Yes. So. All right. Brittany, I liked your thoughts. She loves puzzles. My husband doesn't want to participate unless it's a type of puzzle that can be finished in five minutes. He's very good at doing puzzles with our two-year-old niece. Here's why I love that. I'm just like your husband. <laughs> I want the 25-piecer, and Matt wants the 25-million-piecer. <laughs> uh, and I think it's this. So in college, we all had to take a DISC test, the D-I-S-C. Have you taken that one, guys? <laughs> and so... It's like, what's your work motivation? So D is like the driver and you just want to get stuff done. That's me. (laughs) Also motivated by S. If somehow S is people. And so you're like people motivated. The I is like fun motivated. And the C is like really pays attention to detail. So Matt is high S and C, aren't you? And so you like yeah. the peopleiness, although you don't really care when it comes to puzzles that much. And you like the attention to detail. I am 0% C, and so I don't like the attention to detail. So I think it's a personality thing. That's yeah. my opinion. All right, guys, we're skipping Goofball Island. Oh, for shame. <laughs> but we'll make up for it in other questions. So again, this is the Q and D, the question and discussion. I'm not doing A because we don't necessarily have the answers to everything, but we're happy to toss things around. So again, if you guys like this sort of an episode, let us know and then send us some of your questions for us to toss around. And just so you know, we can do them anonymously. Um, so this person who sent it, she said, sure, you could use my first name. I'll ask you. 
Uh, So she said she's a single woman in her 30s, and she loved last week's conversation about breaking the marriage idol and intends to read the book. However, labeling that conversation as the need for purpose felt off. Girl, you write. Uh, though it will be part of how I live out my purpose, it has very little to do with informing what my purpose is. And she alludes to Matthew twenty two thirty seven and Psalm twenty seven four. So she said, "Why, why did you not? Why did you uh, focus on purpose that way? Felt at odds." Um, so I think here's the deal: is I was really wrestling with who to invite as the podcast guest for purpose, and I asked several different people, and I don't know if maybe we're all just feeling purposeless or what. Hmm. Uh, But when I was thinking about an avenue of purpose, um, I was thinking, man, a lot of us make our purpose out to be this marriage and singleness thing. Like, that is my calling. That's what's going to make me matter. So we didn't really unpack that too much as it relates to purpose, if at all. And we ended up just diving deep down into the marriage idol conversation, which was really good. So let's circle back then, guys. And the, the core need for purpose, how we define it here is filled with a sense of profoundly mattering. And so I feel like when we are born, unless it's like extremely traumatic situation that we're born into, we we all have this sense, and I don't know when we lose it, but did you guys have a sense of like, I matter in this world, like I have a purpose. And then when did it get lost? And how did you find it again? Easy question. Yeah. Well, I think we've way back in previous episodes we we talked a little bit more about our stories and everything and and for me that that sense of profoundly mattering was something that got lost fairly early mm-hmm. um you know where the the sentence that i continually spoke over myself was i am worth less i have less value less profound mattering yeah than than other people um and and the place that i would run to would be things like you know grades in school performance in sports um friends relationships um and then ultimately kind of the the place that really that took root was was in my struggle with pornography but was it before you reached a point in junior high which not a lot of kids get to this point especially back in the 90s now it's so sad the suicidal ideation like calls have gone up by like 50 percent. it's crazy town in the last like five or six years. But Matt, you were about to kill yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you had a plan and it was for a song on the radio that you didn't. So you reached a point where you're like, I have no purpose. Mm-hmm. Was that the bottom of the barrel? And then was pornography like after that? I think I was, I was introduced to pornography before that. Okay. Um, because if I remember my age correctly, that was, I mean, I was 12, 13 years old. It was my, my junior high years that, that my struggle with, with suicidality and su- suicidal ideation, um, that was when it was very pronounced for me. I had quit like everything that I enjoyed, you know, the sports that I was playing and, and everything, the Boy Scouts, everything. I just distanced. Um, pornography. Is such a sign of suicide. And, and it is. It's so and, sad. And, yeah. you know, I, my parents didn't know that. There wasn't the, the talking about, there wasn't the suicide awareness that there is today. And so they were just surprised. They thought I was just in kind of a funk, um, you know, but when it comes to like the pornography, I was introduced to that before um, junior high. I, I think that was probably fifth grade, Okay. you know, that, that that kind of became this thing that started swirling around the surface. So how, like, I know your story, like of how like someone came alongside you and helped mm-hmm. give you a purpose, but what's your purpose now, like, what do you see as your main purpose? And like, 
how'd you get there from that place of despair? Well, I, I guess to, to start with back then, everything that I did was to try and solidify myself. Like, so even before... Before the porn, before, yeah. before anything. I mean, everything that I did was to try and feel okay in myself. It's interesting that you use the word like solidify yourself because that's like the word solid. Like as opposed mm -hmm. to being invisible and worthless, it's like you're trying to make yourself whole. Yeah. Well, and so I think that's, that's a part of the, the process that I went through was, okay, I was trying to solidify myself and eventually got to a point where none of the things that I was doing made me feel substantive. And, and so at that point, it was like, okay, I've strived and strived, and there's this futile sense of like, I, I'm still nothing, mm. you know? And so at that point, it's like, give up. Mm. And, and so it's like, I went from this striving through sports, through, through relationships to, to try and solidify myself to realizing like, or thinking that, that nothing I could do was going to matter and it would just be easier to be done. Um, you know, and therefore then started withdrawing from everything because everything that I was trying to, to put in this place of giving me purpose, giving me value was something that I was like, it doesn't work and I hate it mm. and I hate myself and I, and it was more, I hate myself, um, you know, but just feeling like it's not worth it. It's not worth it to do anything. I find no joy in it anymore. And obviously as a junior higher, I'm not expressing these things. I'm just, I quit yep. quitting everything. Um, and so the thing that changed and you know was the long growth of recognizing that that god does solidify me because he created me and he's the only thing that can and and that wasn't a, like yes it started in kind of the end of my eighth grade year when some older kids reached out and actually said like hey we see value in you and there are people i looked up to you know and and that kind of started the process of me getting out of the suicidal ideation and seeing your purpose like hey these guys see something in me well seeing yeah seeing that i i have something of value but mm -hmm. i i would still say like it was and that's when it was like okay i'm out of the suicidal place but i'm still looking for something to solidify me because mm -hmm. let's face it those guys were not enough and that's when i really got more deeply into the pornography piece with the advent of internet and, and access mm -hmm. to it um and then you know seeing it in marriage and then eventually you know, when, when everything was, you know, when I came clean with everything, when I was 29 and really for the first time feeling like God's personal call on my life. And, and to the point where now it's like, okay, my purpose isn't to just solidify myself. My purpose is to try and make God's kingdom more substantive in this world. So good. And that get, okay. Cause, cause people can say that sentence you just said. And you maybe could have said it in high school or junior mm -hmm. high, like my job and my role is to make the kingdom advance. Blah. <laughs> but like, it was almost as if it was necessary for, was it necessary for you to do all the failing in order to f like feel it? And do you feel that all the time? Cause that's what I always run into is people being like, I don't feel God's purpose. I don't feel this purpose. And so how, well, I mean, it, it doesn't always feel like this fulfilling thing in the sense of like, it's not like I'm always walking around on a spiritual high. Yeah. Like there's, there's a lot of spiritual low points and we've talked about some of them just even within our marriage. Like, yeah. but in those places is when God can become more tangible because he knows when we need him, like mm. really need him and he's there. Um, you know, and so it is a learning thing and it, it's not an everyday, like there's dry spells, there's periods of, of feels like more distance, you know, between myself and God and, 
And I think it's not necessarily failure that got me there. It was the recognition that I cannot do it. Mm. Like I can't give myself substance. And even, even now Mm. it's not, it's not so much that, okay, I say my purpose is to make God's kingdom more substantive in this world, but I can't do that either. Yeah. Like not without him. Yeah. Like I can do my best to not impede that, honestly. Mm. So good, Matt. Steve, any from your journey, just as far as like, how did you wrestle with your own need for purpose and how do you see it now? Well, yeah, I, I think I didn't think much in terms of purpose when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, I guess when I think about sort of general ideas floating around about that word purpose, there's the idea that is like, what is your reason for getting up in the morning? Yeah. You know, that thing, that inner drive. All right. And then the other side of it is like uh, more like an assignment, like a Mm. supposed to, Mm -hmm. you know. So I think probably when I was a kid, uh, just messages or whatever it was that I picked up from the church, I think I thought my purpose was to um, witness to people. I'm supposed to Mm. share the plan of salvation with my friends. And even if they throw me curveballs like, you know. Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, and and. Yes, but younger than that, it's more like they can't make entire streets out of gold. What are oh. you talking about? Like like that kind of thing. Like, I don't know. It's just what it says. You know, <laughs> like I just I tried a couple times and it just felt like, you know, that's what I remember as a kid. Like, I think I'm supposed to do this mm-hmm. and it's not really going very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I think what you take from that is like that purpose becomes um, like drudgery, like. I don't know. It certainly doesn't get me out of bed in the morning. It feels mm. like something I would, I just want to sleep in yeah. <laughs> and pull the covers up. Mandatory work. Something. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so there's that. I think what I've learned in recent years, and to be honest, my wife helped me remember this, mm. that not my presence matters. My words matter mm-hmm. because I tend to believe the opposite. Like I just, I tend to believe lies regarding that stuff, you know? And so I will kind of fade into the background. I will just kind of keep my thoughts to myself. Mm -hmm. And Kelly talks and reminds me of like times when she and other people that we know have been blessed by my just being there Mm -hmm. and my words. So that's kind of where I go with it. I'm not quite sure how I got from there to here. And I, I don't mm-hmm. want to say, thank God for my wife and my marriage. That's where I get my purpose. <laughs> Whoa, wait, wait. Wasn't yeah, that yeah. what we wait, were saying we shouldn't do? Last week. Right, 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 right. But I think that there is kind of like in the Francis Chan book, mm. you know, like our marriage has a purpose, you yeah. know, and as a team, we make mm-hmm. a good team. And that's kind of like my gifting and how we can mm-hmm. kind of do that together. So, mm-hmm. well, and it's the same, like what you're saying is I'm like, well, I'm always hyper aware of our single friends, except for somehow last week, um, (laughs) who listen, uh, but like, that's why we need each other. That's why you and Mm -hmm. Kelly are necessary to minister alongside other single people so that your words can say, Hey, your presence in this place is necessary and vice versa. Hey, thank you for saying that. So it's like, it could be friends who are saying that, but it's, the, the metaphor that you guys are working on, yeah. that's a, a gift that God has mm-hmm. given you to be able to speak into that space. But that doesn't negate, you know, people who are not married that just says, okay, how can we be the body of Christ and say those words to each other? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, what you're saying really reminds me of um, the book by Brother Lawrence, 
the uh-huh. practicing the presence of God and, oh, yeah. and how, you know, it's, it's purpose we often find in like the singular drive, as you called it, like yeah. the singular vocation or almost, and, and so much of it is, is actually tied into presence. And I, I just, it reminded me of today, actually, I'm trying to, you know, I tried to get the girls down for a nap and watch this continuing like educational online course that I'm taking on trauma treatment. Mm. And my oldest daughter, you know, Gwen is, is she didn't nap <laughs> and she's like coming over and she's trying to watch the video. I'm like, uh, this is going to be real boring, trauma. <laughs> real boring. <Gwen. laughs> and triggery. Yeah. And well, not triggery. I mean, it just like, it's, it's a guy standing in, right. you know, in yeah. front of a classroom and just talking and it's like a lecture. Um, you know, but at that point I was like, okay, this isn't going to happen. And it was almost a sense of, okay, well, that was my plan for the day. Mm. And, and it turns out what God had me do, what, what was actually my, I think, purpose in that moment was to do something silly and teach my daughter how to throw goldfish, the the crackers Mm -hmm. into the air and try and catch them with her mouth. And so we had a lot of fun just connecting and doing that. And there was so much joy and there was so much just life and and i think that's the that's the part of purpose that i often forget mm. is that it's it's about okay because god like when we're with god there's not going to just be this striving toil mm. like there well and at that point like my vocation there won't be counseling there won't be trauma to be dealt with but mm. there will be a whole lot of joy and presence mm. and and to be able to to even just remind myself of that you know, in the moment and just enjoy my daughter and to hopefully show her a little bit of how God enjoys her was, was something that was really fun, really enjoyable and really powerful. Hmm. So sweet. So you got tears in your eyes right now. A little bit. Yeah. I do too. (laughs) As I was reflecting on this and I don't know if I'll share all my journey with purpose, but I do think, you know, when I talk with my friends or I talk with moms who are home with their kids or moms and or dads who are home with their kids like you, Matt, uh, when we do the switching off or parents who are working is we can all wrestle with this purpose thing. And it's really, the problem is, is when we get our eyes off of that substantive nature of building God's kingdom. So it's like that big arc plot purpose and then our specific purpose Mm. and then maybe our daily minutely purpose. Um, But when we get our eyes off of that and it's that's like the, the, is that the y-axis? <laughs> yeah, the up-down. The vertical, the yeah, vertical. the y-axis. And we start looking at each other and comparing. That's when I think I hear a lot of discouragement from my friends and out of my own mouth. Mm. So I'm like, oh, I just wish I was, or if only I could. And then that's just idolatry language. Um, but I think that's where we get our purpose off, and that's where we can get, I can get self hatey <laughs> and like really discouraged mm. and like, I don't really like myself and I have no purpose and what am I doing? Even though I'm doing so many things, it just really doesn't mm-hmm. even matter what you're doing. It's God, what do you have for me? How can I build your kingdom? All right. So that was question one. Uh, we'll try not to go forever. All right. Um, someone asked, and we'll just try and do this quick. Any advice for a newly married couple? Um, so this might be mixed orientation marriage, like we've talked about or not. Uh, but any advice for them? Uh, well, I mean... I'm pretty simplistic. I, I assume I, I shouldn't, but mm-hmm. I think, okay, when you're first married, newly married, um, there's just a lot of fun. Yeah. And so I would say have fun, like enjoy that, mm-hmm. enjoy that time. Um, and if it's not fun or there's moments where you're like, what, who is this person? You know, mm-hmm. cause like, you know, you kind of think, well, I'm marrying this person for a reason. Those reasons will still be there after, yeah. 
you know, the honeymoon or whatever. Um, and if they're not, then, you know, it's like, okay, lean into Jesus, like yep. pull together, go to him. Mm-hmm. Um, don't panic. Yeah. Don't freak out. Uh, and even if you do freak out with him, you know, but I would say if, if you can enjoy it. I jump on that too, of just like, there's a lot of memories and pictures we took mm-hmm. early on of just like, I remember one of my older sisters and it scared me a little bit, but it was good and true. She said, these are your formative years. This is where you're building your patterns for how you're going to operate in the decades to come. And I was like, oh, snap. Hmm. And so instead of just, oh, snap, we snapped some pictures and we did a lot of like going to parks and cooking together. And we were so, so poor and broke. And we just hang out in the library (laughs) and walk. (laughs) And that was about it. Um, So that I totally agree with. And then I know once a week we'd try and date, even if we couldn't afford it. And we'd try and do that now every week, do some sort of home date or go out date. And we'd ask the questions, especially that first year was what um, am I doing well in this marriage and how could I do better? Like, how could I be a better <clears throat> husband or wife? And that was like a safe space to say, you leave your dirty socks everywhere and drives me crazy. So instead of like just shoving it down, there's a weekly, okay, this is where we say our stuff. And then assuming the best of each other, that would be the third thing. And that has been true till now is let me put myself in your shoes or smelly socks. <laughs> like, it's kind of a joking or joking the other night. Like when you get home from like work and you see the kids and you're like, so they're gunning pixie sticks in their Netflix thing. And then you want to judge, you want to judge. You're like, no, I get it. <laughs> this is so hard. And so to just put yourself in their shoes. We have pixie sticks in the house. Yeah. <laughs> they're all gone now. <laughs> you're gunning them last night. I just told yeah, you. No, I was just- so I didn't know you were going to air my dirty laundry uh, <laughs> on here. Uh-huh. You know, the fact that I leave my socks and shoes everywhere. But um, I would say one of, the, one of the things that, and this is just my experience, is I've really appreciated how we fight. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not a loud thing. It's, it's like disagreement, but it's calm. And, and so if possible, learn to fight well you know, with one another and to, to listen to one another and to hear one another out and to... I don't, I don't, not. <laughs> How we do it, I think, though, is where we want to listen. Mm-hmm. We put ourselves in the other person's shoes and we try not to get loud. I think that's a mm-hmm. big thing because that just shuts each other down. And we don't, we try not to leave the scenario unless it's, I need a minute and then we let, have break. So it's yeah. not like you have to stay, but we try and be like, nope, this is hard, hard, hard. It's painful, but just stay. I think that needs to be like a whole episode, how to fight well. Let's yeah. do that sometime. <laughs> okay. Best advice for a parent. This is another anonymous one who believes in biblical marriage, sexuality, and has an affirming Christian child. How, and she said lesbian daughter, how can I show her grace and truth when we can barely speak to each other about the subject without screaming? So Matt, this is your forte. Get it. Well, actually, I'm going to, quote something that you say, which is, you know, if you're in this place where there's some profound disagreement, find the 1%, 2%, 5% that you can agree on. So true. You know, and to, to really kind of park it there, um, you know, and there, and there are some, you know, with, with the theological piece, that's, that's really like the baseline of, of how we as Christians live our lives. Like it's going to set a tone for, for, everything or at least it should and and so there's some fundamental differences there which is hard and so yeah if you are this mom and you're hearing this it is okay that it is 
excruciatingly painful to, to be in this place of disagreement with your daughter. And there's no easy God saves answer, you know, other than it's messy and, and try and find the, the place of agreement and to stick there and to pour in the fact that, okay, God loves your daughter even more than you do. And often our anger comes from a place of anxiety and fear. And so it may be parent that you feel like, oh my word, my daughter's going to hell or, oh my word, um, I'm actually really sad about the years I've lost with her or I don't even know what she's doing and I'm scared of this. And so we cover up our sadness or fear with anger. And she may be doing that too, but your job is not to fix her. Your job is not to change her theology. Your job is to love and pray your head off. And so I'd say you do need a safe place to get all that anger out so it doesn't bleed on her. Um, But really when you, precious parent, and this is the same for all of us, when are people allowed to talk into your life about personal things and say truth sentences to you? Is it when they hardly know you and they're on the like just new people to your small group? Is And I know you know your daughter, but you're not, it sounds like maybe not as close as you could be. And so I would say you want to get as snugly up to her heart as you can. And so that's looking for the places of agreement that's speaking life and showing your love into all those core needs. And then get to a place where you really earn the right to say, you know, it's, it's like it's looking at uh, the truth and saying, this is what I believe is God's best. Um, and you can say that still, like she's not going to think you changed your mind, I'm guessing, based on some of the perhaps tenseness in your, in your relationship right now. But get to a place where you earn the right to speak that truth because people can't, Uh, People can't stand on the sidelines and speak into my life, although I try and be humble and hear it. Um, But the people who I listen to the most are the ones who are next to me, not staring at me. Um, But this is a, you're not alone in this. This is a lot of parents. I hear this a lot. There's something triggering going on. Um, But yeah, good question. Feel free to follow up with us if you've got more other parent questions. Now, for you all in this room, what is something that's been challenging for you in the church these days? Capital C Church. You don't have to call out your own church. Uh, well, so I've got a, a, a couple things. Like in our culture, all right, in the era of Make America Great Again, yep. we've got, a, it's no like newsflash that mm-hmm. we've got a lot of divisiveness yep. like yep. in our culture. Yep. And I'm like seeing a similar kind of polarization in the church. Hmm. Um, so mimicking the the well, government yeah, left, I, right. I don't know yeah. if it is just a coincidence or, you know, yeah. like we just have this mindset, but it seems like the church version of it is, preserve preserve the what was always great yes and well like not change or not adapt or Mm. see any change as heresy Mm. you know um and then the opposite extreme which does kind of throw um historical things that we do kind of consider yeah. foundational Orthodox, yep. mm-hmm. of the biblical beliefs. Right, yeah. right. Biblical, like just out the window yeah. so I can do what I want to do, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that's not just the LGBT conversation. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just, it's like, that's 
um, we'll just like throw the other camp out the window. Yep. Because that's not how I see it, you know. Um, and to that point, it got me thinking just here as we're sitting here talking, it may be in our lifetime or it may not, but we know that like hard times are coming yep. for the church. Mm-hmm. Hard times currently exist for the church in many parts of the world, mm-hmm. you know, but hard times are coming for me, for my kids, for my grandkids. I don't know, but at some point, and if we don't see each other as like family, mm-hmm. we will throw each other under the bus as soon as it, as soon as the heat gets turned up, Yep. you know, I mean, like, I am not going to go to the wall for somebody I consider like a fellow customer at Walmart. Right. Um, But I will go to the wall for somebody who's a part of my family, even if I don't agree with them on everything because Mm -hmm. I love them and I'm committed to them. Mm -hmm. So that's all I've got. I feel you. Mm -hmm. I resonate with that. I've been overhearing or being a part of conversations where it feels like Christians are doubling down and they're saying lots of sentences like, but our freedom of speech is getting taken away and pretty soon we're not going to be able to say anything or do anything. Mm -hmm. Now, are the actual sentences, what they're saying, completely untrue? No. Like you're saying, I was listening to some podcasts and reading some articles about China and how like when you go into church, they're face scanning them to make sure no one under 18 is walking into the church doors Hmm. because it's too, uh, they just think they're going to change those young people's minds. And so the church is dangerous or like whole churches getting thrown into um, prison. And we just think, oh, whatever, China, (laughs) really? You think it's just going to be China forever? Like it's no, like, so anyway. We see that coming. So yes, I get it. Freedom of speech. But the hostility in people's voices. I just, I think, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Do you see Jesus like getting spitting mad at the world? Like you see him grieving for the world and calling the hypocrites out. And But in this gracious, like when he says, woe to you, it's like, ah, it's like his whole heart and his body is Mm. in it. And when he weeps over Jerusalem, as I've been doing some study of those words, like, you know, I'm obsessed with lament. And it's like his body is racked like with, with weeping like a child. It's like that out, out of control, like child sort of weeping mm. as he grieves over Jerusalem. Are we grieving for our enemies mm. or are we screaming at our enemies and clinging to our rights? Like Jesus himself did not cling to his rights, but he considered them nothing and took the humble form of a servant. And so I think what's been driving me insane is I hear all this the same sort of doubling down. We got to batten the hatches and we just start chucking truth grenades because they're chucking them at us. Mm. So why don't we chuck them back? No, what we're supposed to do for our enemies is lay down our lives. Mm-hmm. And so that means how can I maybe laying down my life the way I've, Lori, practically have done it, is approaching my enemies and being like in a soft voice, hey, let's talk, can we talk about this? Not on Facebook, one-to-one. Mm-hmm. And it, here's the lie that we believe about loving our enemies. You think that it's going to be like this Disney tingles are going to just like (laughs) cover you in Cinderella fairy kisses. No, it kills. I know. And I've talked to people who have said like, I don't see you as a human, Lori, or I don't like horrible things have gotten said to me about this week. And so God, I grieve that on God. 
because that's really what it is. I get mad, but I'm covering my sad. That's what our daughters will say. Is your mad covering your sad mom? And I'm like, yes, you're right. I'm sorry. So I grieve it on God. I can, I forgive them. I confess my sin and I go to them and I'm actually able to love them after that process. And it feels like my flesh is ripping off in the furnace of suffering. It doesn't feel good. But the result of that is actual camaraderie and unity. And these are other believers too. So there is another way. I am not a saint. That doesn't feel good. It took me, takes me time to get there. But I, I think we need to do a better job, dear siblings, um, myself included, of engaging the other without vitriol. MK? And I don't know if this is so much... Well, it is the church, but I, I think it's also the broader culture. I, I honestly have a problem with forgiveness and how what? and how we teach it. Oh, in the I was sense like, really? You're bitter? <laughs> yes, I hate <laughs> forgiveness. No, no, I have, I have a problem with how we teach forgiveness because given that I work with trauma a lot, I consistently forgiveness being used as a tool to silence victims. Oh, yeah. And and as as a tool to to just kind of wash things away that aren't really what being washed away. Um, so there's I, not the lament that I was talking about. Well, and, the, like, and there's grieving. not, and there's not lament, but there's also, and I was working on this with someone today. Like there's, it breeds passivity. So to shove, to shove the pain down yeah. and lock it down and call it forgiveness to, breeds passivity. Yeah. Because okay. you're not actually letting out what needs to be let out. You're not actually like expressing those things, the hurts that are, are being done that, that, that need to be dealt with, you know? And, and so in the guise of being, you know, a, a, I don't want to say stoic, it's not like a, a congenial person or a, a kind person that it's like you, you stay silent and you just forgive, you but know, it means shut it down, but it means shut it down. Don't say anything, which is passivity. And then what I see often is that doesn't just stay there. It just goes somewhere else and explodes, hmm. you know, because passiveness ultimately will lead to aggressiveness hmm. if done long enough. And, and so with traumatized people, it's like, okay, passive, passive, passive. They can't do anything to the wrong that's being done to them. And then eventually it will come out somewhere else mm. where, where they are out of control. They're a danger maybe to themselves or other, other people, but it will come out in some level. And, and I, and I see the church as, as a place where it's like, it's just been said, okay, you need to forgive this person when that's a process. And there's like, especially with all the political stuff, like, okay, what, what happened to all of these people who were told, Hey, don't tell anyone, I don't believe you that this happened oh, for 20 trauma. years. Yeah. Like, and, and it's just like, it's created such, such a damaged perspective on, on the value of the person who was injured and, and on even, I guess the, even the value of the person who was doing the injuring you know, because not confronting sin can be damning. Dang, mm -hmm. bro. I mean, it reminds me of your talk uh, in Wisconsin, mm -hmm. uh, which we put up on the podcast feed. Yeah, yeah. That was great. And oh. you do, there was a section in there where you were like, name the sin. Like, yes. actually acknowledge mm. that there was sin. There is something to forgive. Yep. You know, and like, we're told to seek justice. Yep. And justice starts with just acknowledging there is right and there is wrong, you yep. know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of us think justice means, you know, being some kind of 
Batman, vigilante, yeah. you know, make it right. But I think it starts with just acknowledging that, yes, this is wrong. This is sin. Yes, because you can't forgive. And it's hard because, Matt, what you're talking about is probably in a lot of Christian context. And that's what you're talking about, mm-hmm. too. And I, I just sort this through with someone today, too, is I was like, okay, what is it? What's the thing that we're talking about? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, it's sin. We have to name it because we can't forgive it. Mm-hmm. And we can't actually do anything about it until we name it as wrong. And you're right, Matt. It's both for the perpetrator and the victim. It's wrong because for the perpetrator, they don't get a chance to get free because they just walk around with these mm-hmm. knives that they've jabbed in everyone else because of their own sin. And they aren't actually free. Yeah. Well, and I mean, even think from a biblical story, like if, what if Nathan had never confronted David? about Bathsheba. Like, would David have remained a man after God's own heart? Or would that lack of conviction have led him down a path to, to being a heart divided? Mm. And, and I, and I think when we can't name sin as sin, eventually it becomes something where we don't see our value. And, and then even when things are maybe not even sinful, but let's say someone is consistently late meeting you and it's driving a wedge in your relationship. You're never going to say anything until it just explodes or you're like flipping birds at people and walking away. Right. And so eventually relationships sever, you know, because of ongoing, like not necessarily sin in that instance, but hurt that, that, you know, what should be dealt with. And if we, if we can't, if we don't have a good grasp of guilt and, and the process of forgiveness and what needs to be forgiven, but also kind of repentance. And it just, it, it breeds a, a community that's no longer a community. It breeds a bunch of individuals who are living in isolation and walking from relationship to relationship until one thing goes too far and then it's gone. Mm. And it's not the church anymore. Dang, Matt. Good stuff. This is, mm-hmm. remember when we said we started this podcast? Because I was like, Matt says all these brilliant things in yep. our kitchen. <laughs> I need to get them recorded. So there you go, guys. Mm-hmm. Matt, God bless you. And Steve, thanks for amplifying it. Let's, so we got two more questions. What, so we don't have all the, it's not even negative, Nancy. I'm not going to shame you, Matt. That was really good and necessary. Um, but what's something you are grateful for about the church today? Or you're just seeing that's good? I can start. Yeah. You know, I think about that podcast that we did on the need to be seen and with the pastors out in um, Cheyenne, Wyoming, and there's more pastors like that. So for all of us who can wrestle with plugging our ears and screaming at the other side, there are those who are walking into the messy middle of not just LGBT, but just of these hard conversations of Matt, what you're talking Mm -hmm. about, walking with your clients, that's warfare. That's like, hmm. let's, let's shred this, these lies and let's step into this space. And so instead of just extreming, so either, you know, I'm not going to walk with you or, oh, you're fine walking into that messy middle. So I'm watching people do that and they're just becoming gold. They're just letting the furnace of suffering rip off their flesh and <laughs> the negative flesh term. And they're just getting so strong. So that's what I'm encouraged by mm. is it's not everyone is screaming on the polar polar mm-hmm. sides. It's there's some really solid people getting becoming those believers in yeah. the middle. And God help me to be one of them. I would say similar. I'm getting to know people uh, in the church, other brothers and sisters who are seeing the value of the heart, mm. you know, and not just 
duty, you know, like, oh, brain, you know, like, oh, you need to learn, 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 learn yeah. and do, do, do and self-will. But like the value of the heart and pursuing that kind of at that level. And even like, which I feel like just a few years ago to me, this was almost taboo or not taboo, but just like, uh, I don't know what to do with that when you talk lament. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm beginning to have conversations where people are starting to get the value of that. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that encourages me. There's like some articles running around right now from like Gospel Coalition and stuff. And people are like, I learned this years ago. And they're like reposting it and wow. stuff. So it's like, yes, at last. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the the thing that I've appreciated most is is because in some ways the the climate, the culture that we live in, like people are more comfortable with mess. And I'm not hearing as many of the like Pat Christianese, like right. just taping Bible verses to it answers. Um, and, and so that I guess gives me hope because it is so, it's so nuanced and messy and mm-hmm. life is, life is messy, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so the, the things that we need to do for making sense of it are sometimes messy, Yeah, you know, and not just these clean cut things. So good. All right. Last question, guys. What's something you are looking forward to? I've got a lot of things. Um, I was just journaling about this yesterday, realizing that I've got good things on the horizon I'm looking Hmm. forward to, but I have got this thing in my personality where I can be a pessimist. And like, I'll even, there's there's this phrase, it's like, yeah, but, Mm. okay? Mm -hmm. So like, The semester of teaching this class, which has been so hard and rewarding, but hard and I'm weary, is coming to an end. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And as I have that thought, I go, yeah, but we're also heading into a really busy season in my my day job. And things are about to ramp up there. And so I just am not going to get any downtime. Don't let yourself get joyful. I guess, right. Yeah, I don't know what the mechanism is there, but it's Mm. self-protective, I think, or something. Mm -hmm. We've got this vacation we were talking about before we started rolling like it's a big family vacation which we don't do a lot of um and like i'm looking forward to it but yeah but yeah but money yeah like and what are we gonna do with our dog and how am i gonna get you know work stuff covered for that amount of time and just all that like logistical stuff that kind of like brings me down so anyway I'm sorry about that. That's my issue, and the Lord is helping me with it. No sorries. Lots mm -hmm. of people can relate. I am looking forward to the vacation. Yes. Um, And I like my truck. (laughs) Your truck is really cool. Matt's (laughs) so so jealous. Who's that? Matt keeps looking on the horizontal x-axis at you and feels (laughs) like his purpose is lost. (laughs) Well, I could tell you my yeah but about the truck, but let's (laughs) let's not do that. (laughs) All right. Yeah, but now you have to help people move. Is that it? <laughs> no, no. Anyway. MK. Um, I, so I've got a few things that I'm looking forward to. One of them is like very, very immediate. It's hockey playoff start tonight. I'm, I'm super yeah. excited about that because the Dallas Stars finally made the playoffs for the first time in a few years, and I'm, I'm just stoked about it. Oh, I actually feel fan. happy for you. Um, but then the – thank you. You're thank welcome. You. It's not just an eye roll, guys. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> 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 this is how our oneness happens. Is yeah. I engage half a sports convo once a month. Yeah, and back when you know, back in the day, I would talk about Gilmore Girls once a month yeah. or whatever. There you go. Um, That's you know, the, for the newlyweds. There you go. Once a month <laughs> conversations about what the other person likes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, other thing that I'm looking forward to is is just the summer. Like we we are going to be welcoming you know baby boy into yeah. into our world, which yeah. is exciting. Um, but then also there's just going to be some some time of extended kind of going to to see my family and to see Lori's family coming in town and and everything and and so there's just going to hopefully be um some some rest mm-hmm. and and some some fun and enjoyment of of that kind of stuff and so I'm looking forward to that. I am excited to meet our son too and I don't think I've said this on the podcast or maybe even on Instagram or anything but um is it's really neat having a son. If you guys know some of my story and just some of my pain with men and just the laments I've done just about, you know, essentially toxic masculinity. But just it feels like God has entrusted us to raise a son, which is I'm like, wow, God, are you sure? <laughs> like, are you sure that I can do this? And I know I can't and you can't, Matt. Um, but with God and our team, which is uh, whatever, the church, we we can do this. So. I don't know. It's it's a challenge to raise any child, but it is it feels like God entrusting us just man, I guess I've worked on some of my bitterness toward men. And <laughs> so to be able to raise a son, I think is gonna give me some more perspective on empathy um for men in particular. So that I'm excited about. That's the beginning of June. I'm excited about some of our guests coming up that we're gonna have AVK and Voss Camp. I'm so excited. Uh, as you know, I freak out a little bit. Not everyone can handle a writing because it is very poetic, but I love it so much. My Enneagram 4 just freaks out. <laughs> um, we're having Christopher West on soon, and he wrote Fill These Hearts and Theology of the Body for Beginners. I hadn't read any of stu- his stuff until this month, and now I just cannot get enough. It really just emphasizes a lot of the core needs things, but it draws from Augustine and Pope John Paul II and Dan Allender. I'm excited about that, too. So for those of you, I know, who've had, I want to say trauma, and why am I laughing? I'm just saying, if you guys have experienced trauma, usually you read him, and I'm just so excited. He's And he's excited to be on the podcast, so Mm -hmm. that will be the beginning of May. Okay, we're going to wrap it up. This is our first (laughs) (laughs) Q&D. And our question of the week for next week. Okay, if you could hang with one biblical character for a day, not Jesus, who would it be? One celebrity, a different day, and then an author on a third day. Who would you choose for each of those? We're going to have to all think about that for a little bit. Yeah. I'm curious. So to respond, you can friend me on Facebook or find me on Twitter or Instagram, and you can let me know. And for those of you who uh, reach out to us, I just always want to thank you uh, for sending us your messages or giving us those five-star reviews. Thank you um, but for letting us know how this podcast impacts you or ideas you have for further guests or questions you have for our next Q&D. If you dig it, we would love to hear from you. Um, also, we are coming out with coming out uh-huh, with a book, um, a self-published book called Journey Well, and it's a small group or individual study. And it's got my story in there, but it's really a reflective discipleship journey of the heart. So we do a lot of this. How do you lament? What did Carolyn walk with you, Lori? Um, so that self-published book, self-published, uh, book is going to be coming out in the next month or so. So we're really excited. We'll keep you posted. Stay tuned on the website for more. All right. Thanks so much, guys, for joining us. We're, we just love doing this. And guys, it was nice to be in the room with yeah. just you guys. <laughs> we didn't have our accountability. <laughs> we'll try it again sometime. All right. But thanks so much for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast. We will see you next week.
Matt was so cute today. I called him and he was doing the like uh, figure out what kind of puppy we're supposed to have. Oh, you guys looking for a puppy? No, like three years from now. Well, so yes, in three years. Our oldest has to be eight and the youngest has to be three. Because I did the whole, remember how I have 11 brothers and sisters thing? Uh, Yes, I recall that. Have you heard about that? Yeah. So you've met some of them? Yes. On the down Gilead Lane? (laughs) (laughs) I actually, I know all your siblings. Have you met them all? Or you know at least stories of them? I'm pretty sure I've, at one time or another... Met them all. And because, like, I'm friends with your dad and yeah. with Alicia. Yeah, oh, dad. Like, I know Alish. all their names. I oh, know yeah. their orders. Mm-hmm. And you know all the stories. Their enneagrams. No, not all, I'm sure. <laughs> but know I know stereotypes some. stereotypes of each. What am I even saying <laughs> I know anymore? the caricatures of each of your siblings. <laughs> who's, who's the funny one? Well, you mean other than Lori? John. Really? John has the driest yes. sense of humor. Lish is quit, pretty quick-witted. She is. But John wins because he I, I says was... it, and then Scott says it louder. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, Scott. I was thinking doesn't... more Lisha, but... You think Lisha's the funniest? That's just her personality. John, I would say, is like the brooding one. I know, which makes him the dark horse. Yeah, he is, he is a surprisingly funny one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's got some humor. Yeah. Anyway, dogs. So yeah, I was right, right, doing right. the praying and I was like, oh, dear Lord, please don't tell us we're going to have more kids. Sorry, kids. We love you. We just don't <laughs> want a million of volume. <laughs> and so I was doing the praying. And I was like, okay, I'll open up my hands and ask you for how many kids. And instead of seeing another kid, I saw a puppy. And I was like, woo, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> what kind of puppy? I don't know. I didn't see the type. I oh. just saw that. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> I didn't what? see. I just saw the puppy. I just saw paw <laughs> prints. Paw the... prints in the sand. No, <laughs> that was me hitting that. I was like, it was just a real. It was a close up of like a panting tongue. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot! It was a kid. <laughs> now I know.